J. Michael Edwards, back with you in the Majestic Academy, where perfection is expected, but excellence is accepted. If no other lesson has motivated you to bring your unsaved loved ones to this series, this one just might. Remember, the events described in these lessons are real events and not allegorical, meaning those without Christ will be experiencing them. So, let's join Pastor Don as he teaches a lesson called, When Hell Comes to Your House. Thank you once again, my friend, J. Michael Edwards, for that great uh, introduction. It is good to have you back here in the Majestic Academy. And I would agree with J. Michael, you need to bring friends and loved ones to the series. Again, not for, not for me, not for J. Michael, not for the Academy, but just so the lost can understand what they may be going through and the saved will be motivated to tell their friends about Jesus Christ. Today, um, you need to uh, buckle up. What do they say when you get on an airplane? Make sure your your uh, trays are in the are in the uh, the uh, up and lock position, and your seats are in the up back position, or and your and your seat belts are anyway. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, you would think I would know that, seeing as how I've flown like a million miles in my career, but this lesson today is. Uh, it's frightening. I mean, when you think about the reality, and we, you know, we see so much on TV and we read these books and nothing's real. Nothing's real. Reality TV. I mean, that's an oxymoron. Reality TV. There's nothing real about these reality TV shows. And quite honestly, there's nothing real about the news. Uh, fake news, all these things going on. We tend to not believe things. Uh, I can get into the whole pandemic thing, but I won't. Uh, but but we, we question everything. But if you believe the Bible, like I do, uh, these these verses, as I said before, these are not these are not allegorical. These are real events and people will really be going through them. And so I'm going to read from uh, the book of Revelation, obviously, and I'm going to read uh, chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by the reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as a torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it. And shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. 
And the shapes of the locusts were likened to horses prepared unto battle. And on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men, and they had hair as the hair of a woman, and their teeth were as teeth of lions, and they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like to scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. One woe is past, and behold, there are come two woes more hereafter. Father, these are frightening verses, and I pray that uh, listeners would take heed of these words in this message. And they would be motivated to tell others, and those who may be listening without Christ, that they would be motivated to seek Jesus Christ and to receive him as their personal Savior. We love you and we praise you in all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so there can be little doubt that the book of the Revelation contains some of the most frightening images in the entire Bible. This passage may be the most frightening of them all. We are in the midst of the seven trumpet judgments. The first four trumpets have been sounded and they brought forth horrible scenes of death and destruction. The earth's environment has been shattered and mankind is writhing under the awful judgments of a holy God. Chapter 8 closes with an angel flying through heaven pronouncing three woes upon the inhabitants of the earth. This angel knows that the plagues unleashed by the sounding of the last three trumpets will be far more horrible than anything we have witnessed yet. Why does the Lord give us these graphic descriptions of what the world will face during the tribulation? Why write about such tragedy and death and suffering? I think there are three very good reasons why these things are dealt with in the book of the Revelation. These things are mentioned so the church will know what we have been saved out of. It's exciting to know God will deliver his people from this kind of judgment. Secondly, he extends this glimpse of the future as a warning to those who have not trusted Jesus as their Savior. He wants them to know that they will face this, this challenge, these horrors, if they continue on in their sin and in their rejection of Jesus Christ. And thirdly, these images are given so that those of us who know the truth might be motivated to share the gospel with the lost. As we consider the judgment associated with the fifth trumpet, I would like to share some of the awful realities that are presented in these verses. Regardless of whether you are saved or lost, here is a word for you. We are living in a day when the subject of hell is viewed with much skepticism. People just don't believe in a literal place of torment. In fact, many preachers and church members reject the notion of hell as it is presented in the Bible. People joke about hell and use the word as a byword in everyday language. But the fact is, hell is a real place. We need to get that through our heads 
and get that through everybody else's head. It is a real place. Real people are going to endure real torments for a real eternity in a real place called hell. They can attempt to deny it as they wish, but hell is still real. In these verses, hell visits earth. I would like to take these verses and point out the terrible realities that will be visited upon the earth in the last days as I preach on the subject of when hell visits your house. In verse 1, we see a horrible personality. When the fifth angel sounds his trumpet, we are introduced to a horrible personality. It's my opinion that we are given the description of the devil himself. Look at how he is described. He's a famous personality. He's called a star. Some commentators attempt to spiritualize this passage and link this being with the star of Revelation 8, 10 to 11. That star is a comet, while this star is a literal person. When we think of stars, we often think of celebrities, of those who are famous in this world. There's a sense in which this person is famous. In fact, he is known in three worlds. He's known in heaven, he's known on earth, and he is known under the earth. Yes, he is a famous personality. Of course, the devil has a name. His name is Lucifer. In Isaiah 14:12, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? The name Lucifer means brilliant star, light bearer, or shining one. So we are introduced to Lucifer, a famous personality. But you know what? Adolf Hitler, he was famous too. All these world despots. Saddam Hussein, he was famous. Not always a good thing. He is a fallen personality. The word fall is a perfect tense word. That means it refers to something that took place in the past which still has present results. In other words, the sense of that word is fallen. We are dealing with a fallen personality. Satan's fall took place sometime in the past. In Luke 10, 18, And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. As you know, Satan, or Lucifer, was a highly exalted archangel. But he was not content to be what the Lord created him to be. He wanted to be God. In Isaiah 14, 12-15, we read, How art thou fallen from heaven? O Lucifer, son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Pride was found in Lucifer, and he was cast out of heaven. He still has access to the presence of God where he accuses the brethren. In fact, he is the prince of the power of the air. But there will come a day when Satan will be eternally cast down. Revelation 12, verse 10 says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength, 
and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. So here we see Satan cast out of heaven and forced to confine his activities in earth. The thing that brought Satan down is the same thing that causes mankind his worst problems. It's pride. Pride will cause you to think you are good enough without God. It will cause you to refuse to bow. It will cause you to walk in your own self-righteousness. And it will take you to hell. God says if you will humble yourself under his mighty hand, he will lift you up. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you or lift you up. He may exalt you in due time. But if you exalt yourself, he will bring you down. Luke 14, 11, For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased or brought low, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. As the writer of Proverbs puts it, Pride goeth before destruction and an haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16, 18. He is a fearsome personality. This famous fallen figure is given a key to the bottomless pit. He is given the authority to unlock a terrible prison and unleash a horrific plague upon the world. We're told in Revelation 1.18 that Jesus has the keys of death and hell. For a short time, however, the power over the host of demonic spirits imprisoned in hell is given to Satan. While we are on the subject of the devil, let me, let me uh, make a few statements about him. First, Satan is a real personality. He exists in the universe and his power is very, very real. He's not a myth. There is a very real devil. Secondly, Satan has never been in hell. He is not there today and he never wants to go there. He will be sent there one day. Revelation 20 verse 10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire in brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. When he goes, he will go as a victim and not a ruler. He hates the thought of hell, but he will be punished there throughout eternity. And thirdly, Satan is one of the great mysteries of the Bible. Why would God allow a being like him to have the power that he does? Satan does have power. That's why we are told to be aware of him and what he is doing. 1 Peter 5.8 Walketh about as a roaring lion. We know that verse. He has more power than you or I, but praise God, my Lord is far more powerful than Satan ever, ever will be. First John 4, 4. So he's a horrible personality. In verse 2, it's a horrible place. In this verse, Satan takes the key he has been given and he uses it to open the door to hell. This verse tells us just how close men are to hell. One turn of the key and hell is unleashed upon the earth. This verse has some things to say about that place called hell. It is a deep place. It's called a bottomless pit. The word bottomless gives us our word abyss. It refers to a very deep chasm. The word literally means a well. When Satan turns his key and opens the pit, he is literally opening the shaft that leads into hell itself. Science denies it. Lost men denies it. 
Human reason denies it. But there is a place under this earth called hell. The souls of lost people suffer in the fires of hell. It is clear from the verses that follow in this chapter that certain demons are being held in hell, awaiting their liberty. Second Peter 2 4 says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Jude 1 6 says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. It is a dark place. We are told that smoke ascends out of this pit, and smoke is so great it obliterates the light of the sun. There is an old saying that goes, Where there is smoke, there is fire. The same is true in this case. Hell is a place of fire. We see that in many verses. Yet it is a place of darkness, and it is a place of anguish and torment. It is a place that no one should ever want to go. It is a place that no one has to go. Well, men joke about hell and try to pass it off as silly superstition. But hell is real, and wise people make their preparations to avoid its flames. You may not believe it, but a good, gracious God will allow you to go to hell if you're not saved. My advice to you is that you should flee the wrath to come, and you should run to Jesus and be saved. It's a disturbing place. Hell is disturbing to me simply because it even exists. I have to think about it. But it is a real place where people will go unless they are saved. So as disturbing as it might be, we must take the time to consider it. Allow me to share a few features of hell that make it truly disturbing. It is a demonic place. Throughout the New Testament, hell is associated with demonic activity. Luke 8.31 teaches us that the truth that the demons fear being sent into the abyss. In Luke 8.31, And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. Revelation 11.7 tells us the beast, the Antichrist, will ascend out of this place. As I have already mentioned, fallen angels are bound there, and Satan himself will spend eternity in hell. In verses 3 through 12, we see it's a, it's a, or we see, I'm sorry, we see a horrible plague. A horrible plague. When the abyss is opened, a demonic plague spews out onto the earth. The demons that have been reserved unto judgment are released to carry out their infernal mission. We live today in an amazing and frightful time. Sanctuary cities are releasing dangerous criminals back onto our streets in frightful numbers. Our liberal government has opened our borders to a floodgate of gang members, drug dealers, and who knows what else. Well, the prison doors of earth are open, but hell's prison will also be open and emptied, and a lost world will be thrown into a time of terrible judgment. They are described as locusts, but these are no insects. The description probably comes from the greatness of their numbers. One locust swarm reported in 1889 covered over 2,000 square miles. Imagine that. 
that's a that's that's the size of America 2,000 square miles the image here is of an innumerable host of demons being allowed to ascend out of the earth I'm sorry out of hell onto the earth there are a couple of reasons why I say these are not real locusts uh, first of all in verse 4 they do not harm plant life but they torment humans verse 11 they have a king the Proverbs 30 verse 25 tells us that locusts is the insect world have no king verses 3 and 4 we see the power they possess these demons are described as locusts but unlike locusts they will not harm the vegetation a literal locust swarm will leave a green landscape looking like a desert in a short time locusts devour the leaf the grain and the stalk these locusts do not come for the plant life but for human life they will have the power to sting like a scorpion scorpion stings are known to be very painful they cause swelling and numbness but they are rarely fatal in humans so these demonic beings are allowed out of hell they have the power to cause great pain to people but their targets are limited they will only sting those who are unsaved the 144,000 and other believers that are still there are protected from the attacks of this great horde of hell they produce pain when this attack comes people will not be killed but they will be tormented for five months five months May to September is a typical lifespan of a locust these hellish locusts will torment men for five long months the pain inflicted upon men will be unimaginable every moment of every day that demons will be here tormenting stinging causing pain suffering it, it will seem never-ending there will be no escape men will seek every way they can to escape the torment of these demons but nothing will help them no pills no potions no poultices will work alcohol and drugs will not deaden the pain for five five long months they will suffer and they will find no relief from their suffering in our day people flee death they do everything they can to stave off his coming doctors are consultant pills are consumed and everything that can be done is done to extend life for just a moment more but in that day men will pursue death in an effort to be free from their pain people will leap from buildings crushing their bodies upon the ground and still not be able to die people will drink deadly poisons and ravage their vital organs and not be able to escape death others will place guns to the temple and attempt to kill themselves but they will only succeed in adding more misery to the torment people may try to kill their loved ones to help them escape but to no avail for five months there will be no funerals on earth death will take a holiday while men endure the pain and suffering inflicted on them by this demonic invasion some may say well preacher I don't think it's gonna happen like that my friends read it again in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it and shall desire to die and death shall flee from them if you're not saved today please come to Jesus to avoid this terrible time man it I'll tell you it breaks my heart to have to preach these kinds of things but but I have to preach the whole counsel of God I can't skip this stuff 
We need to know it now. These are these are true. These are true words, and they will be your future if you refuse to come to Jesus for salvation. And then verses seven through eleven, we see the picture that they paint. Beginning in verse six, these demons are described for us. Let's take a few minutes to consider the vivid description that John gives to this demonic army. In verse seven, horses prepared to battle. They resemble mighty war horses prepared for battle, straining at the bit. Then we see golden crowns on their heads. They come to the earth as conquerors. No medicine or act of science can conquer them. For five long, awful months, these demons reign on the earth. They have faces like those of men. This speaks of their intelligence. The human face is so expressive. It reveals the emotions buried beneath the surface. These beings are intelligent. In verse 8, we see they have hair like a woman. They are attractive to people. It may be that they have some seductive charm by which they lure their victim to them. People have always been attracted to the occult. Just look at the popularity of these uh, physics, uh, uh, these, uh, I'm sorry, psychics, not physics, psychics, <laughs> palm readers, uh, uh, Ouija boards, um, all these, all these fascinations with angels. Every day I hear something about, well, I saw these angels and they, and they, and they moved this car out of the way and didn't hit that little girl. Uh, there's such a fascination with things like this today. In verse 8, we see teeth. They have teeth like a lion. Their bite is infectious and painful. A lion's bite never really heals. Did you know that? A lion's bite will never really heal. There's so much infection and bacteria in the bite of a lion that the wound just won't heal completely. In verse 9, it says they have breastplates of iron. They are invulnerable to attack, and they are insensitive to the sufferings of humans. Men will try to kill demons, but that will be impossible. Men will scream in their pain and will beg for mercy, but their pleas will not touch the hearts of their tormentors. They have wings that sound like chariots. This implies a real swiftness. They will be able to surround and capture their prey with ease. Men will attempt to run, but... There will be no escape. Verse 10, we see they have stings in their tails. We've already touched on their capability to inflict, inflict pain. It is mentioned here to emphasize the fact that the pain and torment of men is their sole objective. And then verse 11, it says they have a king over them. They will be organized and united in their attacks upon humanity. The fact that this king's name is given in Hebrew and Greek shows us that all unbelievers, both Jew and Gentile, will be targeted by this demonic invasion. People hear this talk about demons and they just, and they laugh. Oh, oh, Brother Klein, you're just old-fashioned. Nobody believes in demons anymore. Really? It would seem from this passage that God believes in demons. Just because you can't see them does not mean they're not real. I can't see the wind either, but I can feel its effect. I know it's there. When the bubonic plague was ravaging Europe during the Middle Ages, men tried every way they could think of to cure the disease. They came to believe that the plague was caused by clean, fresh air. So they plugged up their chimneys they burned disgusting things in their fireplace. 
They sat in smoke-filled houses believing they were going to be okay. Whole cities were clothed in foul-smelling, putrid smoke. They would fire their cannons regularly to blow away fresh air. If you had walked into one of those towns and told the people that the plague was being caused by an invisible organism transmitted by tiny fleas, they would have laughed you out of town. We now know that what they couldn't see was killing them. Modern man has adopted the same attitude regarding the spiritual realm. He can't see demons, so they must not be real. Well, they are. Jesus believed in them and even had confrontations with them in the Gospels. Paul had a run-in or two with demons and acts. They're real. My friends, they're real and they are coming to this earth. You do not have to be here for the day when hell invades the earth. If you will come to Jesus, he will save your soul and that you can go to a wonderful place called heaven. If you are saved, you will miss the violence and the torment of the tribulation. You can miss out on this terrible time and you will come to Jesus Christ. If you will come to Jesus Christ, there is a way out. Don't wait until hell comes to your house to cry out for mercy. Cry out to God today and be saved by His grace. You know, there's something out there today called Reformed Theology. And these, these people, um, they're teaching false doctrine. It's, it's a demonic doctrine. They're teaching that there is no real hell. They're teaching that man's soul just dies when they die. Some teach that everyone's going to heaven. My friends, these things aren't so. Others teach that, well, you know what, just wait for the, for the rapture and get saved on the other side. If you've heard the sound of my voice, you've heard the gospel. You will not be saved on the other side of the rapture. So you'll be sent a great delusion and you will believe in a lie. You know, when the Academy first started this series, we had many listeners. Today, this number has dwindled to, I don't know, a couple dozen, maybe less. Why is this? Why do you suppose that is? Am I boring? I don't know. Maybe. But I believe the reason so many people have went away is that people do not want to believe this. That I'm just trying to scare people. And like so many today, they just close their ears and go on with life as if nothing is going to happen. Oh, I'll be okay. I'll be fine. That guy's crazy. The Bible says that Satan blinds the eyes of those that are lost. But the sad thing is that many that have left are probably Christians who also fail to believe the revealing of these truths. 
The Bible also says that there will be a great apostasy in the last days. This means a great falling away from the truth of God's word. A falling away from reality of what is coming. And a falling away from Christians being concerned about a lost and dying world. We in the Majestic Academy will never ever be with that crowd. And I pray that you listening today will join us in the effort of spreading the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, until next time, keep looking up and listening for the show. Wow, that's a lot to absorb. But if you are saved, you won't have to worry about hell coming to your house because your house will not be on earth when these events come about. But how about your family and friends? Let's not allow hell to come to their house either. Now, if this episode is the most frightening in the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, our next lesson, A World at War, is probably the most frightening in the entire Bible. It is another lesson you will not want to miss. Until then, keep looking up and listening for the shout.